0: to Where Brains Meet Beauty, hosted by Jody Katz, founder and creative director of Base Beauty Creative Agency. Hi, Jodi.
1: Hello, Esperanza. Nice to talk with you today.
0: Nice to talk with you too. This is our first intro together. Yes.
1: Thank you for inviting me into this. <laughs>
0: well, thank you for having me as well.
1: So I hope our listeners have gotten to know you and your voice and um, all the people behind the scenes who are guests on the show, they get to um, engage with you as we plan for each episode.
0: Absolutely. Um, So everybody, welcome to episode 210 with Rebecca Boston, the Chief Marketing Officer of True Botanicals. She was... Amazing. She was so
1: nice. And uh, I'm like bummed that I haven't known her longer. I feel like, you know, she, it would be so nice to have known her all these years. Um, she seems like such a smart, lovely person to collaborate with. So I'm so glad to know her now.
0: Absolutely. You know, um, something that I thought was really funny behind the scenes when we were all in the green room together, I thought it was so funny that all three of us had studied some sort of political science or government. And all three of us were like, eh, this is a little, this is a little messy. This is a little, you know, and we all switched over to beauty. Yeah. Um, you
1: know, I, when I started out in college, I was a government and law major and by, I guess, sophomore year I was like, nah, I'm not doing anything with this, but you know, I stuck with it. And that's really <laughs> the same situation for all three of us. And now here we are all in the beauty industry.
0: Yeah. I'm really happy to be in the beauty industry, especially coming out of my politics job previous to
1: this. so I thought what was also so interesting about Rebecca is she's just been on the front lines of some of the coolest brands and launches. Um, I don't want to give too much away, but the list of celebrities that she's collaborated with through the years is top. And I hope that you love hearing these stories the way that I did when we recorded this episode.
0: Yeah. So I think with that, we should just dive in. Let's do it. Hello,
1: Where Brains Meet Beauty fans. Thanks for tuning back in to our show. Welcome to our fifth season of Where Brains Meet Beauty podcast. And I'm so excited. This is our 210th episode. I'm excited to introduce you to our fourth guest of our sustainability-themed quarter. She's been behind marketing many of your favorite brands with lots of celebrity names. So we're going to have a lot of fun here. Please welcome Rebecca Boston. She's a chief marketing officer of True Botanicals.
2: Hi, thank you so much for having me. Rebecca,
1: welcome to Where Brains Meet Beauty. I'm so excited to meet you.
2: Oh my goodness. The pleasure is all mine. I love your show and you're an incredible host. I'm excited to be talking to you today. <laughs> well, we're
1: super matchy matchy, my fuchsia lip and your fuchsia blazer. So that makes it fun. And then my fuchsia microphone. I don't know if you can see that.
2: Clearly. I know. I was (laughs) I was just thinking I need to get myself one of those because that matches perfectly.
1: (laughs) So Rebecca, um, what I love to do on this show because we talk about career journey and that's our focus is to really go back in time. You know, if you can think about your 11-year-old self, what do you want to be when you grow up?
2: Oh, my, well, my 11-year-old self very specifically wanted to be a Mary Kay lady. I was going to drive the pink car, have all the pink compacts, and help all my friends and family look like their best selves. So (laughs) I had an interest in beauty from a really young age. Um, I got to see, my mom was always really into beauty and we spent a lot of time at beauty salons and I would watch when women walked in, how they carried themselves. And then by the time they left, how they'd pull their shoulders back and lift their heads up and they just looked so much happier and more confident. And I wanted to be a part of that and and kind of help women feel like the best version of themselves from there on out.
1: <laughs> That's such an um, insightful observation as such a young kid. Um, why Mary Kay? How did you hear about that business?
2: It was, so my mom used it. And then when I was uh, 14, I was begging to be able to use makeup. So my mom like brought over a Mary Kay lady. This is back in the day. And they gave me like a full routine. And it was like, I kid you not, like one of my core memories from my teenage years. (laughs) And so, um, so it was always just kind of a passion of mine. And that was just, my mom was like, if you're going to do it, like, let's pull back a little bit on the glitter and let's let's get you some like decent stuff.
1: (laughs) Um, that's so incredible. And, um, you know, these, these imprints, you know, these early imprints are, you know, how, how could you have even known this could have been a career for you? I mean, you probably didn't other than being a Mary Kay person or working in the salon. I would imagine you didn't know what a career in beauty could be.
2: I didn't. Yeah. And so while I kind of had that dream, I didn't end up initially pursuing it when I graduated from high school and went to school because, I wasn't I, I was I was like, maybe I'll kind of like go back to that after I go to school and do something else. So I actually went to school and studied public affairs because then as I got a little older, I decided I wanted to take my path at politics.
1: So um, you went to college to be in politics. And did you mm-hmm. get a first job in, in politics?
2: I did. I did. I had a couple. I worked on a show um, at Univision called Voci Voto. And it's um, a show that runs in California, all about kind of local politics in our state. And then I went on and I worked at a bipartisan uh, public affairs firm. And, um, And while I was there, I was a little bit disillusioned because I went in wanting to immediately change the world and make it a better place and have a positive impact. And politics was just a lot more... Um, it was slow moving and it wasn't, it's, it's politics. It wasn't, I wasn't, didn't have the ability to impact the immediate change that I was hoping. Um, But while I was there, interestingly, I, um, I was organizing a lot of rallies and this was back in the days of before Facebook, there was MySpace and before MySpace, there was Friendster. And I found that on Friendster, there was these like self-organized groups of like Democrats in Bakersfield and Republicans in Sacramento. And I would go into those groups and invite people to come and participate in our rallies. And um, and Edelman, the world's largest PR firm, actually saw me doing that because I was doing some rallies against one of their clients. And they approached me and said, hey, do you want to come work for our social marketing firm? And I was like, what? Your social marketing firm? Because I'd never heard of social media before as like a term in marketing. And um, that was kind of my big step into then consumer marketing and uh, led by social. And from there, my career kind of took off to where it is today.
1: So, Rebecca, we have a lot in common because I went to college. I studied at a degree in government and law. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought maybe I'd become a lawyer. Maybe I'd um, run for office. Maybe I'd support candidates. Maybe I would um, work on campaigns Um, And I think actually working on campaigns sounded the most exciting to me because I always loved advertising and popular culture. And I just felt like that really tapped into uh, my passions. But after like one or two years of the um, studying, I decided that I was too was disillusioned (laughs) um, and felt like this internal conflict of seeing like more behind the scenes of what happens there. And like to do good, you have to kind of do some bad Mm -hmm. also. And um, this T- I was really uncomfortable with that tension, so I just abandoned the That's idea exactly and got a job I advertising. Mm-hmm.
2: But you know, I'm so glad I did it because there were actually a lot of really incredible things I learned while working there that I've carried through my entire career, like the importance of storytelling and all of that. And um, and you know, one of the things that my mom told me as I was going to college and deciding what I wanted to study. And I was having so much anxiety about, you know, do I want to do this or do I want to do that? And like, how am I going to decide? And she said, don't worry about it because every single experience you have, you're going to use at the next place and the next place. And so there's no wrong choice and you're just going to keep building on all those experiences and they will make you stronger and Um, And so that's true. So I I went on that detour into politics from what I originally knew at 11 years old was my passion. And it's, it's, I learned some really great lessons that I use today.
1: Wow. That was such beautiful, reassuring advice to get, you know, Mm -hmm. early in your career that, like. It doesn't matter. Just go on the journey. Mm -hmm. I actually always thought of it as um, I have this backpack of experience and I'm just keep filling it up. Mm -hmm. And I don't need to know what I'm going to do. Like Dora, the explorer, you know, she has all this stuff in her backpack. Um, I don't need to know what I'm going to do with it or when I'm going to need it. I'm just going to keep filling it up. Yes. But um, how wonderful to have somebody um, say this to you, you know, so early in your career.
2: It was honestly, it was it was the best advice I could have gotten. And I didn't even realize it at that time. And I even to this day, will sometimes realize I'm using something that I learned, you know, 15, 16 years ago. And I'm like, gosh, I had no idea that that was gonna, like, be relevant today. And yeah, so and and it kind of just gave me a lot of liberty that I was like, especially starting out, like, just follow the opportunities. Like, Just accept any opportunity that's given to you. Do your very best. You're going to feel the most fulfilled in your life if you are just using your talents to the greatest degree. So just make that your goal for now, and then you'll eventually get to where you're supposed to be.
1: So, I love that. Yeah. Well, let's talk about where you were supposed to be because you mm-hmm. worked on so many fascinating projects. So mm-hmm. you worked wa- on the launch of the Google Pixel mobile yes. phone. So that's interesting. And then you worked on the launch of Fenty Beauty, which is mm-hmm. next level. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what about your career journey? Like, do, what do you think is happening where it uh, connects you with these like kind of like really momentous opportunities? So hmm,
2: that's a that's a great question. So I think that every single project that's given to me i give 110% since you know my very first internship and like another piece of advice i get, got early on from a mentor was like if you're given papers to file you file the heck out of those papers because if you file the heck out of those papers they're going to give you more responsibilities because you proved yourself on that task that you didn't think that that was a, that was that exciting and so i kind of did that and i think that um, I built a reputation for myself um, by being someone who always gives it 110 percent who you can trust, who you can rely on and um, and and that's probably how I've been able to give to be given such uh, high profile um, projects and campaigns and, and brands, if you will, because I just, with each one, I keep kind of proving um, what I'm able to do. And, you know, nothing is ever beneath me. Nothing is ever something I'm not interested in, just got to always give it 110%. So that's why always my advice to everyone is like, even when it starts out, if, they ha- if, you're, if they're sending you to go get coffee, you, you nail that coffee order, because if you do it, they will, they will, you'll come back and they'll say, oh, you're amazing. You're like, why? I just got coffee. But the fact that you like really, you know, you did it, the to you know, to plan and all that, it will, it, it, believe me, it builds a lot of trust and that goes a really long way in any industry.
1: I love that. So let's talk about Fenty because I'm sure that's the only thing that anyone ever wants to talk to you about. So <laughs> um, I guess working on Fenty is the equivalent like at tech to like working at Apple or working at Tesla or, you know, um, Google or something. Mm-hmm. It's just something that everybody loves seeing on a resume and automatically says, yes, I want to work with you. Yeah. I would imagine it's like really powerful to have that on your resume at this point.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, absolutely. Because I think it's probably the most success. It is the most successful celebrity, you know, beauty brand to date, and we completely changed, you know, what was happening in the beauty industry with that launch, and kind of pushed the entire industry to think and act and behave more inclusively. And so it was a really powerful thing to be a part of. And um, you know, when when I was at Google, when I was approached for the Fenty position, and um when uh, I got called, they were like, we know no one leaves Google, but you, 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 you have to think about this opportunity because it's going to change the game. And when I heard about the mission that Rihanna had for her brand and what she wanted to do and the change she wanted to create, it was this moment of like, oh my gosh, my entire life has been preparing me for this experience because I grew up as an expat in lots of different countries all over the world and was exposed to a lot of different forms of beauty. And in one country, I'd be too skinny, in the next country, I'd be too fat. And and just always experiencing what that was like and then to have this opportunity to be able to make everyone feel beautiful regardless of their skin tone or culture or size, Um, I was like, oh, my entire life has been preparing me for this. And I know exactly what to do. And I really want to be a part of this. And so it was, it was a dream come true and felt like honestly fulfilling like one of my purposes in life. It's so beautiful
1: and amazing. And I'm just so curious about the, uh, the hiring process. Like, were they allowed to tell you in the very beginning, like, Who was behind it and what the goals were? Because I imagine it was kind of top secret.
2: Yeah, it was really top secret. So um, I, so before Google, I worked at Bare Minerals, and um, my CMO of Bare Minerals had gone to be CMO of Kendo, which um, Fenty was, which is the company Fenty was at, and so um, we already knew each other, and there was a lot of confidence and confidentiality, and so she was able to tell me a lot about it before I came over. Google, on the other hand, was totally different. My interviews with Google were like, we're gonna do something huge and we need help reaching women, will you come on board? And I was like, sure. And then on my first day they were like, we're launching a phone, it's called Pixel, and you know, good luck. And I was like, "Okay." Oh, and it's happening in two months. And so it was really nice to know what I was getting into with Fenty Beauty for sure. <laughs>
1: I bet. So uh, do you have a favorite moment from your time during the Fenty launch?
2: Oh, absolutely. So my favorite moment was the day that we launched was like absolutely insane. It was like a 24 hour day. We had a huge launch party, you know, it was happening all over the world. And we had planned out all of the content we were gonna be posting on social media. And we had planned that, like, once people got their hands on the product, we would start regramming people's looks. But we actually hadn't had any talks about what the looks were going to be that we regrammed and what we were gonna prioritize. And so it was three in the morning, and I was sitting on my hotel bed with um, one of my colleagues, and we were looking through all of the content that people were starting to post of themselves in their Fenty Beauty makeup. And um, we stumbled upon this beautiful image of this woman um, in a hijab, and we said, "Wait, that's the one. That's the, we, we are going to show the inclusivity of this brand by making this the very first person that we regram because at that time, honestly, almost none of the beauty brands were ever posting people from that culture. And so I couldn't call Rihanna and check with her. I couldn't call up any of the big bosses like it was three in the morning and we just held hands and we made the decision to do it and more than 90 news articles around the world were published about it and everyone like lost their minds and people were moved to tears to see that that was the first person that we regrammed and it was so meaningful and like okay and that was just kind of it set the tone for what we were going to do from there on out and how we were going to make Um, women who hadn't felt seen up until that point feel seen and feel beautiful.
1: I mean, we have to go back to this career idea of being in politics and, you know, supporting candidates that you believe in. I mean, I know beauty is not politics, but like, look at how much of an impact you can have through Mm -hmm. makeup. Mm
2: -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I've always believed that we need really responsible, good people in marketing roles because marketing does have a big impact on culture and on society and on the things that we as a society think are valuable, what we think is important. And um, I've always taken my responsibility in that kind of role really seriously. Um, And I remember when I went to leave politics, I was I was talking to one of my mentors and I was like, oh, like, I, I I, just don't feel like this is where I'm supposed to be. And I have this opportunity over at Edelman, but I don't know. I just want to be impacting positive change in the world. And he was like, girl, you're crazy. He's like, then then this is exactly where you need to go. You're going to impact more change if you are at the big companies and you're with, you know, the one creating stories that are out there in you know, on TV, on billboards that are impacting how, what people are thinking about. And, and he's like in the, in the marketing world needs more people like you. And, um, I, I really took that to heart and I've carried that with me throughout my, my entire career and, um, made a lot of my career choices based on, based on that for sure. Including, Most importantly, I would say my most recent choice to come and be CMO of True Botanicals, so.
1: Well, let's talk about the green and clean world, right? Our theme this quarter on the show is sustainability, and that shows up in a lot of different ways. Like it can be, um, you know, we're all trying, mm-hmm. right? Well, not everyone. You you know, the brands that are featured during the segment are trying, right? Yeah. And trying looks like a lot of different things, a lot of different ways. And sometimes it's about supply chain or the origin of ingredients or packaging or, mm-hmm. or whatnot. How different has it been in terms of, like, what your um, leadership skills need to be when you're talking about, you know, green and clean versus, mm. um, you know, performance?
0: Oh, that's a great
2: question. So, I mean, I think... We talk about performance as well because... um, And the reason I came to True Botanicals, so I really wanted to work for a a brand that puts sustainability um, and safety at um, the core of its values. Um, But I've also always known and believed that consumers aren't going to start buying sustainable products until there's zero trade-offs. And so I knew that no one was going to buy you know, sustainable and safe skincare unless it performed just as well as their other stuff. And um, when I, when the True Botanicals opportunity came to me and I looked at the products, I saw how they performed. I saw that they had clinical proof that they performed at the same level or better than a lot of conventional bestsellers. I said, okay, this is, this is where I, this is where I want to be. And our business has been on fire the last few years. And It's because we lead actually with the performance story and we talk about what it does for your skin. And once we get people's attention with that, then we're like, oh, and it's also Made Safe certified to be sustainable and safe for you and the planet. Um, And Made Safe is the most comprehensive, um, you know, safety certification uh, process available for personal care products. And um, And so I think that that's kind of, for me, what, where I see kind of the sustainable brands that are succeeding and those that are not is that you can't, people don't only care about sustainability. They still care about all the other, the performance, the experience and all of that.
1: Well, let's um transition these ideals to leading your team, right? Performance and experience, mm-hmm. you know, we can't make great work without great people. And, you know, I'm sure you've experienced a lot of different leadership styles in your years across many different jobs. I certainly have, and I use that to influence how I choose to lead today. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, paint a picture for us on your leadership style and like what your mission is with your team.
2: Yes. So um, I I have an amazing team right now. I like to take people I have one person with me, who this is our fourth company together. Another one, this is our third company together. So I've got a rockstar team. People follow me from company to company. Um, for me, you know, I have three young boys and when I leave my kids every single day to go to work, like I want it to be worthwhile and it's worthwhile when I'm getting to use my skills to the greatest extent and I'm working with people that I really enjoy being with. And so that's the kind of work environment I try to work in and um, and and that I create for my employees. I always I tell everyone, let's focus on your strengths and um, rather than your weaknesses, and always like leaning and doubling down into what you do best. And, you know, if you're not good at, like if you're really good at, you know, I think a lot, I think a lot of people in marketing today act like you have to be a jack of all trades and you have to be good at everything, but I don't personally believe that. And I, and I feel like everyone on my team knows what they're really good at. And they feel like they're bringing their talents to, um, they're using their talents to the greatest extent. And, um, so that's what I always focus on, but I do always tell people when they're interviewing them, when they're first talking, one of my employees told me this is that I am like an Olympic training coach. And if you are looking to work really hard and do your very best and become the very best marketer you could possibly be, then I'm the manager for you because I'm gonna be, as you're running your very fastest, I'm gonna be next to you going, run faster, I know you can, do this better, I know you can. Um, as opposed to, if you're just looking to cruise, that's that's definitely not my leadership style. And so the people who love that absolutely love that and that's why they follow me from company to company.
1: Rebecca, I feel like you and I have like similar paths. Um- for um, Base Beauty, my day job, I describe it as like a really, really fun pool to swim in, but you have to be a strong swimmer and you yeah. have to like w- want to be in that environment. So maybe it's like one of those like wave pools mm-hmm. at, um, you know, um, water parks. Like it's like you, you it can make you really unsteady. So you have to be a strong swimmer. You have to be able to get like knocked down and swim out of the wave and like mm-hmm. wanna laugh through it. Um, Cause otherwise it's just exhausting. So, um, and I like this analogy because if you need a life jacket, we're just not the right place for you, right? Because then everybody has to take yeah. all, everyone mm-hmm. around you in the pool has to come and buoy you, right? Which means that they can't focus on their joy mm-hmm. and their swimming skills. So um, I love the way you mm-hmm. painted as an mm-hmm. athlete because it makes me think of my, my swim analogy.
2: <laughs> I love it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, it brings me a lot of joy to, you know, I think for me, one of the things that gets me out of bed every morning and again, motivates me to leave my kids for many hours and come to work is watching the women on my team like just really feel fulfilled by using their talents to the greatest degree and 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 feel smart and feel like they've accomplished something every day. and we're accomplishing really really hard things and um, that 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 is honestly one of my greatest joys of what I do now
1: well I want to segue to this topic of um The Pursuit of Success, and uh, Mm -hmm. I have a book coming up next month, which is called Facing the Seduction of Success, where I've taken the wisdom of my 200-plus podcast guests and these, like, themes that keep coming up, like, you know, year after year on the show, and it's really about this idea that we're in this industry that, you know, if you're in this industry, you love it. You're here for a reason. You're super passionate about it, Mm -hmm. and you find joy in it, even if not every day, but, you know, overall. Mm -hmm. Um, But because it's fun, reaching that next goal can like kind of take over, right? It becomes seductive Mm -hmm. to, you know, meet another goal or um, reach your ambition. And that seduction is wonderful because it's joyful, but it can also pull you away from other things in your life, right? That make you a dynamic, well-rounded person. Yes. So I'm curious, right? Like, so you're a mom of three, you're making this like conscious choice to work in an area that you love, Mm -hmm. right? Because there's other things that you love as well. Um, do you find growing in your career seductive and how have you navigated that tension?
2: Oh my gosh, I absolutely love that term seductive. I mean, that's like the perfect way to describe it. Um, I, I, So, you know, uh, I, I try to live my life really colorfully. And I always preach that that makes you a better marketer too. I know that when I show up to work on Monday, I have better ideas and I do a better job when I like unplug during the weekend and I went to a museum or I went to a show or I did something outside. I I'm gathering ideas and inspiration from all those different places all the time. And and I'm and I'm truly recharging. And so That's something that I always encourage my team to do. I'm always encouraging everyone, like live colorfully, like have hobbies outside of work. I know it's gonna make you a better marketer and a better employee for me. And so, you know, at at my office, we work really hard actually not to, you know, email each other on the weekends or late in the evenings, unless it's, it's a true emergency, honestly. And we work really hard to compartmentalize our work into like insane, intense work hours during the day so that we can all do other things in the evenings and the weekends. And selfishly as the boss, I want them to do that so they'll come back with great ideas on Monday. And so that is definitely how how I achieve balance and it's just everything's happier. Um, I've also heard this term called, uh, that there's like different levels of quality of leisure time. And, you know, I always encourage everyone, like, don't just Netflix and chill this weekend, even if you're really tired. That's not going to really rejuvenate you and and make you feel happy when you come back to work. Get outside. Go do new experiences. And um, so, so that's kind of the way, again, that I do balance. But in terms of, you know, seduction, yes. I mean, I you know, to use another, like, even though I'm not, I'm not particularly athletic, another athletic analogy. It's like when you climb a mountain or a crazy hike, and it's so intense, and the way you feel at the end, you just feel like, so happy and accomplished. And you have this like rush of endorphins. And um, that's how I feel after really, really doing really challenging things at work. Um, I've worked on brand and product launches that were both really easy and some that were like insanely hard and always later it's the insanely hard ones that i'm like that was awesome um that was like so it felt so good when i accomplished that and also like the camaraderie that i built with my team after accomplishing that together is just so so intense and you know sometimes i tell people like You know you're growing, that you're going to look on this with so much fondness when you're like, like for my analogy is like when you're crying, when you're sitting on the floor at the airport crying because you're so tired. That's when you're probably about to experience your most exponential growth and and really feel it. Rebecca, I
1: wish I've known you longer. I feel like we could have had these amazing conversations for the past twenty something years together. But I'm very, very grateful to know you now. Um, and this wisdom is incredible. I love the analogies. <laughs> I, um, I'm always into those like climbing mountain analogies because literally, like I've climbed mountains and I've been really tired. I've been on my hands and knees, but then I finish it and then I'm so proud, right? And mm-hmm. That's um, right. none of this would be fun if it was too easy. It really wouldn't. Exactly. Yep, yeah, I agree. Well, I'm so grateful for your wisdom, Rebecca. So thank you so much for joining us today. And for our listeners, please subscribe to our series on your favorite podcast app. And for updates about the show, follow us on Instagram at Where Brains Meet Beauty Podcast.
0: Thanks for listening to Where Brains Meet Beauty with Jody Katz. Tune in again for more authentic conversations with beauty leaders.